You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our student pastor, Eric Miker. This song is all about story. It's all about how our story relates to his story and hopefully changes someone around us as us's story. So look at someone around us and say, your story is about God's glory. Now look at someone else, your second choice, for whatever reason, that's between you and this person, and say, your story is about God's glory. Um, when I was thinking about this idea of story, I was searching around on the internet, as sometimes us middle-aged people do, and I came across the website that is called Story Embers, and that title popped to me, so I wanted to give them credit. It's actually a Christian organization that helps um, songwriters and story writers, and, and I looked at it, it looked like a pretty cool thing, but just that idea of Story Embers got stuck in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit. I started thinking about a fire and how a fire is built and how it is kept and what makes a good fire a good fire. And so if you've ever built or rebuilt a fire, if you've got hot coals, like if you've built a big brush fire, you've burned a bunch of stuff and you come back the next day and you've still got hot coals, it's really easy to rekindle that fire, to rekindle that flame. I hear some laughs in there that might be crazy fire stories. Maybe people have done some stupid things as I have in the past. Steve Pinto's wife would never tell you anything that he's done as it relates to fire. Um, is Steve here? I'm not going to talk about this if he's not here. He may be out of town. Okay, we won't talk about it then. Um, one, one thing about a fire is the stronger your fuel, the stronger the future, right? That's true about fire, and that's true about families. The stronger your fuel, the stronger your future. Those of you right now who have strong men, strong fathers, strong women, strong mothers in your life who have gone before you, they've probably had someone go before them, right? Not always is the case, but the more that that builds generationally, the more the impact forward occurs. So as it relates to the Holy Spirit, we see all throughout Scripture as the Holy Spirit, it relates to fire, because when someone says acts, we say fire, and that's why. What does fire do? Where does it come from? You ever thought about that, right? You have this whole field of fuel and no fire, it remains unchanged. But one spark ignites one part of that, and all of a sudden, everything in the current wind path of that fire is changed. It works the same way in the spiritual realm. It works the same way in the generational realm, right? You've heard me tell my story. I'm not going to retell the whole thing, but I have both of my grandfather's families immigrated here from uh, Italy and Hungary with nothing, walked to work, had the car, did the whole thing, the coal mines, eventually got a car, eventually got married, did all that stuff to where it was easier for the next generation, right? And now we have my sister who has a doctorate in math, my cousin who's an MD, all of these people who just, they appreciate that, but they weren't the ones walking to work, right? They weren't the ones changing that story for the future, but they benefited from it. And just because you don't have that doesn't mean that you can't be that with God's help, right? 
So the, the young lady that sang that last song, you say, Delaney. I think, where is Delaney and Amber? Where are you guys? There's Amber. Delaney's there. That's okay. As long as, as you're here. Um, did she sing that song first at a recital? Here? Anybody? You would know. Did she sing that at a recital? I think so. So we think so. We're pretty sure this is accurate information. But regardless, the first time she went to sing that song, I would say it's fair to say that she was terrified. Is that a good? Had a panic attack. <laughs> okay. And then the first parts of that line, but that strength that came forward, right, was not just from her. And it wasn't just from her parents. I believe it is from God. And I truly believe that. There's Delaney. Hey, Delaney. So <laughs> I want to talk about earlier in the week, since this message is about stories, I went to the trampoline park with uh, Hannah Fetty and the youth. And if the trampoline park, raise your hand if you've ever been to the trampoline park, whether as a jumper or seen. So if you've never been there, it's this whole entire floor of death traps, of ankle-breaking things for almost 40-year-old guys like myself. And if that's not enough, they have these basketball hoops that dare you to jump and try to dunk them. And then if that's not enough, they have foam pits that look like a good idea until you get in there, and then you realize you're way heavier and fatter than everyone else and can't get out of there, and that's great. And then if that's not enough, they have this thing called the ninja course. So this is a ninja course. It wasn't there the last time I was there, but you see over here, you've got these ropes full of foam blocks. You're not allowed to touch the thing, so you're hanging on, and then you've got to walk across those swinging poles, go around. You can't see them, but it kind of looks like Swiss cheese, these things you've got to hang on to get across. So now you're covered in sweat, and you <laughs> walk across these plexiglass walls like, like that. And none of us could do it. They said if you're the right size and can extend, you can do it. And then you have this ramp which in the picture you can't tell, but it's at least as tall as from here to the lights. And you've got to run straight up and get to the top. So I did everything else. I ran across these little things, but I was like, I'm not trying that ramp and falling down and like breaking my back and have to go see Steve Pentai again because of this ramp. But you know who did? Delaney did. And she ran straight up that thing, pulls herself up, and like just, there was a moment of just like, I saw it just, I'm getting up here, right? Is that how you'd explain that moment? And to me, it's the same thing that it takes for her to get up here and grab a mic and sing, because that's just not, it doesn't just come easy to her, but what the anointing that is in her life and on her voice is there. So sometimes we've got to fight for that a little bit. But what happened was when Delaney did that, now I'm like, it can be done. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And I did. And honestly, I, d I was able to do that because you did it and showed me it can be done. So families, show somebody it can be done. Maybe your parent didn't show you. Maybe they didn't. That's not an excuse not to show future generations that it can be done. And I asked Amber if I could share this. Something's wrong with her eyes. I don't know. Are you okay? Allergies? Yeah. <laughs> we were talking out in the parking lot, and um, she mentioned her story. And I'm not going to get into it because I'm not even going to try, Josh, to understand how women work. I'm not even going to pretend that I do. But I just know that it, it wasn't easy. Would that be accurate? But you put in the work. And you see that strength, right? And you emulate that strength that I believe 
comes from God. I do believe that. That led me to my next discussion of the day over Mexican food with Hope, which we thought was a better idea to eat Mexican food after the trampoline park than before the trampoline park. <laughs> we lost a soldier on the way to the trampoline park to the stomach bug, so we're like, we're not going to even mess with that. But Hope said one of her friends texted her and said, have you been reading the Word? Have you been reading the Bible? And she was honest, and she said, probably not as much as but I do my daily devotion. So I asked her what that looked like. And if you've ever done a daily devotion, most of them are a, are a one-line scripture with a quick corresponding thought. And what I have found, some of those are accurate in the context of scripture, and some of those are shaded towards their own theme, if you will. It's not accurate within the story of Scripture. So if that's all you're doing, the thought that I had, and we talked about it, and she agreed it was a good way, was that it would be like wanting to become physically fit, and you see these things on Instagram or TV, wherever you watch people work out. I don't know. That's weird. Who does that? But I saw Justin over there. He could show you how to do this. You, you, you walk by this, and you pick it up, and what do you do? You bring it towards your shoulder like that. Is it good for him? Is it hammer? Hammer crow, okay. So it would be like doing that one time and knowing that you saw someone else do that and they have these big muscles like Justin and you do it one time a day and then you wonder why you don't have those big muscles. Right? So that's physically, but spiritually it's the same thing. And the danger of that story, of that misconstrued narrative is... That's kind of what we do in America. We want instant results. We want it quick. We want to be able to download it and just slap it on. But it requires work. It requires effort. What, when you guys do your training and all your classes, do you just do that for like one time, one rep a week, one time a day? You see, she's running out of days. But... The effort, the work, is rewarded. Pastor Robert told me something when I came here. If you work it, it can't fail, right? It might not be the results that you want to see. And he was talking about like a steak sandwich cell. But that can be applied to anything, <laughs> right? Hey, I'm, I'm just honest with you people. I'll tell you the truth. Um, but we can hand down physical strength, and that also works with spiritual strength. What about a verse in scripture that talks about light, that talks about warmth, that talks about fire? You probably know this scripture, Psalm 119, 105, says this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Most of us know that scripture, right? It doesn't say fire, but Mary, do you believe that's fire? that lamp yeah but the the actual con contextual metaphor in this scripture if you think to that day in that story biblical times you think that was fire or, or led <laughs> edison he wasn't there yet right kenny he wasn't there so we can look at the story, we can look at the narrative, we can look around that and know. We might have to look a little bit deeper, but we can know. 
Okay, it's written in English. It wasn't originally written in English. We can dig a little bit deeper into the original language, and that word is N-I, I've got it written down, N-I-Y-R. Anyone know how to pronounce that word? Someone want to take a guess? N-I-Y-R. What is it? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. It's, it's near. <laughs> it is near. <laughs> and you know what near means? Thanks, Bruce. I love Bruce. I'll get you later. <laughs> near is a small glistening lamp. Right? So this wasn't this huge, huge torch that could be seen from like the other side of the interstate. Obviously, they didn't have an interstate then. It was this small thing. And this is what I thought of. Watch this thing not work. David or whoever's back there, can you bring down the house lights? This is what... I thought of. Bring them down as, as much as you can. People are in their seats. No one's walking around. When I thought of this near, or this lamp, it was something small. Right? And it's not the same pronunciation of near, but it makes me think about being near. For me to know where this aisle is, if, if it were completely dark in here, I would have to remain near to this source. Right? Yeah, I can see that's Jimmy, because I'm near to the source. But if I would get too far from this, I would start to lose my way. I can walk a whole lot easier in these aisleways than I could if I didn't know where the path was. Right? I've got to remain near to the source. Mary said, that's right, thank you. That's a fact. I've got to remain near to the source. So it doesn't mention fire, but we know through the contextual clues that it's fire. <clears throat> There's an entire story that God has laid out for us, right? That can't be pulled apart, that can't be fragmented. If I take just one page or one line of this and live my life by it, I'm in danger. Because I need to know what God truly meant. And he lets us know. He's, Jesus is in this story from beginning to end. You go into Genesis and it talks about creation and he mentions plurally we, he's talking about Jesus. You go to Revelation and it talks about the song that we sang last week, you know, the eyes like fire and all of that. That's talking about Jesus from beginning to end through all the out. If we don't understand that, and I actually had a conversation with a pastor one time on an excavation job in Virginia who said, now my church isn't one of them Old Testament Bible-beaten churches. We're a New Testament church. We do it just like the New Testament church should be. And I'm trying to think what that would even look like. Like, how can you separate God's Word when it's all one story? If you don't if you have a hard time conceptualizing that, I tried to break it down. Act one, God establishes his kingdom, creation. Act two, rebellion in kingdom, 
the fall. Act three, the king chooses Israel, restoration initiated. Scene one, a people for the king. Scene two, a land for God's people. Interlude, a kingdom story waiting for an ending. If you were at a play, this might be the intermission. This is the intertestamental period. Act four, the coming of the king, restoration accomplished. Act five, spreading the news of the king, the mission of the church, right? Now we are almost here. From Jerusalem to Rome, scene one, scene two, and all around the world, that's where we show up. And then act six, the return of the king, restoration completed. That's like the finale that we're waiting for, right? When everyone realizes it's done. I believe this on-demand, I want to pull it out and pick what I want culture, has allowed us to stray too far from the original source, right? To allow us to trust false things that promise us hope without understanding what it really takes to achieve what God has set out for us to achieve. Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed, right? Pastor Robert, I would ask you this, what does all mean? It means all. What does all mean? It means all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if that is true, and I know that it is because God gave it to us in his word, I shouldn't just take the one part of the verse that I like and avoid the other part that I don't accept because it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So if you have ever done that, or if you currently do that, I'm not coming down on you. I'm trying to help you by saying that is not God's story, right? If we just do it because it feels better to us, but it doesn't line up with his complete story, it's not helpful, right? At best, it's false hope, and at worst, it's destructive. Context is very important in any story or any situation. It helps us to understand the fullness of it. And when I started to kind of have this on my heart for a message, I didn't even know that I would be speaking today, but God kept helping me with different instances and different things to know that this is the message he wanted me to speak. I was in Fairmont with a bunch of pastors, and we were traveling around the community. We were on top of the uh, um, parking garage, looking to the north and the east and the west, praying for Fairmont. We were in the Falcon Center praying for the Fairmont State University. And then we ended up at this place called Friendship House. And I had never been there. I didn't know what it was. But it's like a daytime mission without overnight stays who can get people something to eat. It can give people a place to rest, but it connects them with resources that they might need. Maybe they're struggling with some area of life. And it can help connect them. And that's really all I know about it. And they asked me to lead a few songs and it was a busy week. And I was just like, I need to pick some songs. So I picked three strong songs that started with G. Since they started with G, I sang them in the key of G. And they were great are you Lord, gratitude and goodness of God. And that's really all I knew. I was like, these songs will lift up God, people will be led to him, and I'm going to do my job and do that. It wasn't until I sang the first line of, great are you, Lord, and it talks about him bringing life, him bringing love, him bringing light to the darkness, 
And I saw these people who were struggling, laying in different various parts of the room, that I realized that, that it wasn't me who had this story. It was God who had this story for me to be a part of this very day. And if I was that dense that I wasn't getting it yet, I look up on the wall and they have all these encouraging quotes and it says, don't be ashamed of your story. Your story will inspire others. So I'm like, I get it. I get it, God. So we're singing, it's your breath in our lungs as we pour out our praise. And I heard, normally I just have my eyes closed and I looked across the room and I saw a lady I heard her first, but I saw her with her arms raised in a wheelchair. I noticed she had oxygen. And she's singing, it is your breath. And I, I think we have that image. It's your breath in our lungs. It's kind of far away, so you can't really see who people are, and that's fine. I don't want you to necessarily. But this lady over here in kind of the uh, coral shirt there with her hands raised, singing, it's your breath in our lungs. And I was like, God, I get it. I was here today for this. For this story, and I believe you are here today for this, for this story. The next song, Gratitude, that we just sang, I've got a lion inside of my lungs, and this lady, she cranks it up a notch, right? So get up and praise the Lord, and she's praising God. The next song, Goodness of God, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. So this was taken from someone else's perspective to the left of the screen. You see my iPad there. I'm back here leading worship, but I'm looking at her and I'm looking at this other poster that says, your story will inspire someone. And I'm weeping, probably no one knew why or cared, but God let me know why, right? There have been days, there have been weeks where I didn't feel like I had the breath to praise God. This lady inspired me. She showed me that it was possible. And I think if we're honest, we may have had those days. But when we can look at someone and see that it's possible to accomplish that, we can do that. Do any of you guys have a friend who will just start talking about a subject? And it's kind of hard to follow them. They just like blurt right into the next subject. Tori, why are you laughing? Am I that friend? Okay. I heard a yes. I knew that. I set that. That was too easy. I set that up. But if you don't know that friend, it's likely that you're that friend. And that is me. So everyone listening, we're going to transition subjects. Are you ready? Lou, you ready? All right, let's go. So and now I don't even know what the next subject is, so let me look. Um, this, is, this is a random moment here, so listen closely. Hysteronicus. Know what that means, hysteronicus? It's Latin. So there's a guy in a subway saying this loudly over and over, hysteronicus, 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 and no one else, Mike, you look perplexed there. You're a smart guy. Do you know what hysteronicus means? It's the Latin name for the harlequin duck. Does anyone know what a harlequin duck is, even in the English? No, it's this weird duck, and that's... <laughs> That's intentional. I wanted you to take you on this journey. And everyone who knows me is like, this is not that weird for you. You always talk about stuff we don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> but I believe as Christians, when we do that to people, and we speak our own little language that they don't understand and try to offer them hope, that they're kind of like, 
and they back up, right? We're just that guy in a subway screaming about a duck. Honestly, I've heard it called Christianese um, is our language. Like if you would just walk up to someone who doesn't understand the story of God and say, I don't understand why you're so depressed. I'm on fire for God. What do you think they think? I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying, what do you think they think? They're probably looking like checking for smoke or singes or like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Or someone tells you how bad their week was, how bad their month was, and you don't know what to do. So you get really uncomfortable and say, I will pray for you. Because when God closes a door, he... I didn't expect that many people to know that. Um, God allows everything for... We just really have to open the eyes of our... You guys are good. This is the worst one. Don't ever say this. Bless your heart. Because that really means you're stupid. And we say it all the time. (laughs) And then we say, let go and... Is there a conference for this stuff that no one wants to hear? Where, Where do you guys come up with this stuff? But it's true. Now, now think about that, honestly. If you hadn't been raised in church your whole life, and you just didn't have that background, and you had just had a terrible, terrible experience, and someone told you, just let go, you'd be like, I don't understand why. So, but here's, here's an example. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm just having a hard time getting there. In the, back, <laughs> in the background... In the back back there, Randy, I asked if anyone had a story to share. Where's Randy? He's on a camera somewhere. Is it okay if I share a brief part of this? He said, I had a bad week. First thing he said. That's a human experience. Let's be honest. Anyone ever had a bad week? Raise your hand. So these are the, Randy, that's only the people that you could have met with that story. Everyone. Okay, he was honest, and he said, I was a little bit grumpy, and I just wanted to be by myself. Anyone else? Raise your hand, ever? Okay. He said, someone sent me a link to an encouraging Christian message. Okay, so I had that. I still was down in the cafeteria, still kind of battling in his mind. Someone came up to him and said, say it real loud, Randy, so everyone can hear. What did they say to you? We do not fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the evils, the principalities, and the darkness. So he was honest about where he was, and God pursued him twice. And he received that and changed. Everyone in the back, everyone out here can relate to that and receive that and know that there's got to be some power in the things that were said or done to Randy that day and want to know what they were, right? Bruce, there we go, Bruce. We can relate to that story a lot more than a guy screaming about a duck. (laughs) There is a difference between inspiration and illumination. Inspiration is what God gave to the original writers of Scripture. He inspired them with his breath, as we read about, to write these words that would not be changed, that would be written on our hearts, that would change our today and our tomorrow and our forever. That's inspiration. 
we are not rewriters of the scripture. We don't get to pull that line out and say what it means and tell other people and give it a new slant and take a whole group that's different than ours. There have been other sects, religions that have done that. But that's not God's plan. Right? That's deception of men. So how do we do that? Not through inspiration, but through illumination of the Holy Spirit that we talked about before. Illumination is when we read something in the context of God's Word, and we go into it as hard and as deep as we can to understand what He means, and then we pray and say, God, illuminate this in my life, and His Holy Spirit comes in, and that floods through us, and it changes our very life and the impact that goes on through generations. That is illumination, right? If we don't know the story, maybe we could say, oh, God gave me this, and no one else has ever had this but me, but that's not true, right? It can be applied John, it can be applied to your situation differently than mine, differently than Bruce, differently than Anthony. Maybe, Anthony, you read the scripture six years apart, and it has a different application, but I promise you the meaning and the inspiration of that scripture has not changed. And when we take that, church people, and we think that we know something without really digging in to find the whole truth of it, there's no strength in that. It's just like the dumbbell. TJ, sometimes we need some strength. And that comes through the fullness of God's word. Amen? Amen. I've seen a lot of kids wearing Philippians 4.13 singlets get pinned. I don't know that they thought that would make them win. But when they walk off like this, I get the idea that they thought this thing didn't work. But we do the same thing. Right? We think just because I'm going through a hard time, God's forgotten me. God's left me. God's neglected me. And that's just not true. Philippians 4, 10 through 13 says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, this is Paul writing, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. What he's saying is, you guys have reached out. You've sent me all those letters. You've taken care of me, and I'm, I'm not mad at you because you couldn't because I've been in prison. I've been all these places, but you still care about me, and that, that meant something to me, so thank you. Verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Now think about that. He could have said, I didn't come to church four weeks in a row and no one even called me. Did you do that while you're laughing? Because <laughs> she knows it's true. We do that as humans. He's saying, that's not what I'm doing. I've learned therewith to be content. Verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. I can do all things. I can have much, I can have little. I can be free, I can be in prison. I can be neglected, I can be reached out to. But in all these things, I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. Right? 
He's not saying I'll always be on top. He's saying I'll always make it through and I'll always know I have a promise. I'll always know I have a future. I'll always know I have eternal blessing through Christ who gives me strength. And it's important to understand that entire thing. Your story is God's glory. It's important that Christ and Christ crucified, as Paul also preached, is what we reach out to people with. We can relate to them with our story, but what they gave you was Christ's truth that comes through his crucifixion. That is the power that is in the blood that we sing about on Easter Sunday. That is what makes a difference. We have to know that. We have to receive that. But what we draw someone with is what we are drawing them to. So if it's anything else other than Christ and Christ crucified, the power is not there. When we need the power, when we need the strength, when we need the change, if it's anything other than Christ and Christ crucified, it will let us down. If it's fear, if it's guilt, if it's emotionalism, if it's any of those things, it will not sustain where Paul found his assurance in Philippians 1, verse 21 through 27, where he found his peace, where he found assurance just means that he knows that he knows. Philippians 1, 21 through 27. Do we have that? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. So this, the reason I'm looking at this and reading this with you, we're walking through this together. This is Paul. He's saying, if I live in the flesh, this, this is the job that God's given me to do. This is my story. But I don't know what I'm going to choose. If you ask me right now, if I wanted to be here in heaven, it's hard. Right? Verse 23 shows that. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He's talking to the people he's talking to. I have a desire to be in heaven with my heavenly Father, but I know I have a place here on earth and a reason and a story. Verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for furtherance and for joy of faith. Verse 26. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, gospel of Christ, for the faith of the gospel, the joy that will be complete for you, for you, for you, for you, and for me. Our story is the gospel of Christ. If you've ever for a minute wondered why you were on this earth, it's for the gospel of Christ. If you've ever had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month where you wondered, is there any reason for me to still be here? There is. For the gospel of Christ. I want to try something. I need you guys' help with this.
It's been about 60 seconds since I told one person on this side to turn on their phone light and to tell the people behind them to turn on theirs, right? And some of you guys are Christians and you didn't bring your phones into church, so thank you for being here. <laughs> this is everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, leave those lights up. Look around behind you. Look how quickly, just like we talked about fire, look how quickly that word spreads. If it's something that can be done and they do it, and they see it can be done, and I've been asked to do it, and I'm like, well, they did it. I can probably do it. How quickly that fire can spread. That's your story. Thank you. You can put down your lights. Thank you. That's your story. We've covered a lot of stories. I've got one last story I want to talk about. There was a young lady born March 24th of 1820. She was blind all of her days except the first few weeks of her life. Her doctor was not there and she got an illness and this fake doctor, for lack of better terms, prescribed her this spice mustard thing to put on her eyes and it took, took her vision. And so she had a choice to make. Would she let that be her story? That my life is unfair, I can't see, so I have nowhere to go and nothing to give? Or would that not be her story? I would say she chose that would not be her story as she wrote 9,000 hymns. 9,000 hymns. But her first thing she wrote was when she was eight year old, says this, Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh, because I'm blind, I cannot, and I won't. Can you imagine an eight-year-old kid saying that? An eight-year-old kid who could see, couldn't say that. 9,000 hymns. She had a story to share. At 15 years old, she entered the New York School of the Blind where she attended for 12 years and then taught for another 11. Then she met a musician and married. Then she wrote another powerful statement that says this, I became a mother. I knew a mother's love, but the angels came down and took our infant up to God. She didn't stop writing. One day in 1873, she was visiting with a friend. Miss Knapp played this tune on her piano, which she had re recently written, and she then asked Fanny, what does this tune say? After kneeling in prayer for a moment, she rose and declared, it says, blessed assurance. Yeah. So whatever your circumstance, whatever your story, whatever your blindness is as we repeat this song that she wrote so long ago I want you to think and not only think I want you to connect that story with God's story bring that before him in your heart can we stand and sing this together please
heads and close your eyes. That moment, that assurance, that I know that God is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe I am an heir of salvation. And I want to confess that. I want to reach out and accept that in perfect submission. If that is you this morning, if you know your story needs to connect with God's story through the acceptance of his son, Jesus, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and look up here at me? If that's you and you know you need to do that. Awesome. Awesome. If you would leave your hands up for a moment. Whether that's the first time you've made that decision want to connect you with someone. Is there anyone else that says, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to believe that he is the Son of God and that he died for me. Anyone else? Would you raise your hand? If you made that confession today, I would ask that you stop out at the Welcome Center and we have cards. If someone doesn't come to you with one, we have cards I want you to fill out. And the reason is because we want to help disciple you. I wasn't going to share this, but it how long ago was the Will Graham thing? Two years? About two years ago. We started this thing to have this big celebration in Fairmont with all of the churches. And we just knew that God had called us to it. In his word, evangelism, discipleship, it's all over his word. And we sat over there in the kids' cove. And there were a couple hundred of us. It was, it was a packed room full. I think it was on a Saturday. Is that? It was one of the days of the week, but I think it was on a Saturday. And people came out to be discipled on how to disciple others. And pastor walked out of that room and he immediately called a staff meeting and he was moved that God was calling our church to go further in discipleship. It seems like in one way that that's been a long time ago in another way, it seems like it's just been a minute. But since then, with the development of life groups, with the women's and the men's ministry going further, with other ministries, with grief groups, with veterans groups, with the high school, the middle school, the recharge group, all of those growing and going deeper. I had this thought, this vision, whatever it would be, of a tree growing. I live right on the riverbank and I often see these big sycamore trees grow too tall for the dirt that they're planted in and they fall in the river. To grow up and to grow out, we have to grow down. We have to have roots, right? Does that make sense? In that moment, yes. In that moment, I, I just knew that God was going to grow if we grew down. And we have seen that ever since. Coming out of COVID, it made no sense. We have seen growth this way, that way, this way, because God gave us a story. He gave us his word. He gave us a plan that he put before us. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 